Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. It is March 15th, Wednesday afternoon, and here in Indiana we are on the on the brink of March Madness. We have Bar Purdue University as the top-ranked team, I think, for the NCAA possibilities and championship, and Indiana University is high as well, and we are all excited about our chances. So we are really into the basketball here, as you probably know. Uh, today in Fishers, Indiana, it's north of uh, uh, downtown Indianapolis, right next to Carmel, Indiana. And um, it's a beautiful city. It's a city now. I think it's got 100,000 people. And um, we uh, are in a beautiful weather pattern today. It's like 52 degrees and sunny. And finally, sunny, right? We've had a lot of cloudy days lately. All right, now we have two guests for you today. So we're interviewing two people at the same time. And uh, so be ex prepared because we have two uh, creative geniuses with us today and two great French teachers. And they are going to talk to you right now. We have uh, Elizabeth Roberts and Denise Clive. Cleba. 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 Okay. It's Denise and Elizabeth. All right, are you ready? All right, I know they're going to be ready. They've had a long day teaching, so we appreciate them being on the show. Thank you guys for being here uh, on the show. It's an honor to have you here. So uh, we are very honored that you're on the show. And um, they've been on the show before, by the way, and uh, I think this might be their third visit. And uh, they're very, very creative and good, and you'll see what some of the new things they're doing as well. And they're very outstanding seasoned writers uh, and uh, et cetera. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, uh, Denise, where are you from? I grew up in Michigan, and um, I actually spent my senior year in Switzerland. So that's where I learned French. And I just happened to meet my husband at that time. Okay. So um, my husband is Swiss, and I'm, I'm also Swiss by marriage. And we have um, two children, and um, they both speak French. French as well. Okay. My husband's a native speaker, and uh, they're both adults. So um, my now, daughter's in Philly, and my son is going to Eastern Illinois. He would like to be a teacher too. He wants to be a PE teacher. Okay. Now, where did you study French at? I um, I had one year in high school, and then we we lived in a farm in Michigan. And my mom always had we always had um, exchange students. I don't know if uh -huh. you're familiar with YFU. Yes, I am. Yes. But we had exchange students from all over the world that would come and stay with us for a year. Mm -hmm. And we had one from Switzerland who was a native uh, French speaker. And so um, my senior year in high school, I decided to go and stay with her family in Switzerland. And so I did. And that's where I really learned French. Was kind of, you know, uh, out in the field. Okay. Um, you know, I was I had to speak French. Everybody was speaking French around me, and I went to now, attended school okay. that year as well. Well, that's and I came super. back and went to school. Yeah. Uh, um, now we're going to go over to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, how about you? Where are you from, and what about your family? Um, I grew up uh, outside of Chicago in Wheaton, Illinois, um, and um, my family uh, has a little bit of an international flair to them. My mom is um, a native Dutch speaker. She was born in Holland. Um, and then immigrated to Canada when she was five. And then my dad is an academic and he um, studied many languages. Um, so I think I've always been interested in languages and um, it's part of our family culture. Um, we actually lived in Belgium for a year when I was six years old um, and I learned Dutch at that time. And then I, I, um, I forgot it later. <laughs> Um, but I was immersed in, um, in, you know, in a Flemish speaking school there in Belgium as a first grader. Um, so that was my first like language learning experience. Um, and then, uh, when it came time to choose a language, uh, in high school, I just chose French uh, or I started in eighth grade, um, and decided to, to study French in college. So, so you've had both had really, really pretty deep backgrounds, right? in language learning from yeah. a very young age, right? Um, yeah. Now, where do you teach at, Elizabeth? What school, what's um, the name of your school? Denise, yeah, Denise and I both teach together. We teach at the Avery Coonley School in Downers Grove. Um, we are both um, kind of veteran teachers here at this point. <laughs> um, I've been here well, since 2004. Um, 
And um, yeah, we have a K through eight French program and we only teach French in this school and that we're the, we're the whole department and we've been blessed to work with each other this whole time and um, just have a very kind of uh, creative uh, approach to our teaching and we're constantly making new stuff and working together and seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, so, and we have a lot of freedom um, in the way that we teach here at Avery Coonley. We can kind of, it, we can do what we want. So it's been really um, a creative job. So Denise, what would that be called then? You know, uh, as far as language uh, terminology, when you have freedom to teach like that, is there a special word for it, you know, that you guys use there? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we've just been very lucky that we've been able to sort of experiment, right? And that's, you know, the program that we developed kind of grew out of that experimentation with the students. You know, what works, what, what, what helps the students really own the language. And so we would try different things. I mean, I don't know if there's a special word for that, but um, we would try different things. And we felt like, you know, we really wanted to focus on the students. And so that's where our, our partner conversation came out of those discussions. And we were very lucky because we, we had kind of the same philosophy, you know, and the same goals, the things that we wanted for the students. So um, our program grew out of that. And then, you know, we, then we went on and created a level two, and um, we're still creating stories and lots of things that go along with that program. Amazing. So you have two levels there, right, then? Is that right? Two. Um, actually, we have we kind of have three levels, so um, it's a bit confusing the way we so, set it out. But we have a uh, level one is um, created for kind of middle elementary students, and then we wrote level two, which is kind of upper upper elementary, and then... We decided to write a letter level below level one, which um, we call like our early elementary partner conversations, and we put that on TBT. So it's it, the the whole program is called a mega bundle, um, and so that's all um, all digital. But we use it every day with our kindergarten and first graders, and it's been really fun. And we we um, also created a, like a little YouTube chant that goes along with each lesson there. Um, and yeah, there's a lot to it. It's it's a it's a nice routine, and it, it's something that really works to get the kids talking even at a young age. So when you say you bundle this, this is this is specifically for the school, though, right? Well, no, I mean it's available to it's available on our website now. It's available um, on Teachers Pay Teachers. Okay. Um, but yeah, we use it we use it every day, but it's also available to well, others. What is that it. called? Um. Let's see. What is it called? Sure, it's called oh, Real Language Right Away is the name of our program. What is yeah. this? So then we have, um, we have that early Real, real Language bundle. Right Away. Okay. And level yeah. one and then level two. And I think one of the things that's really um, unique about it is that we've really focused on this um, simple language. And then we provided lots of different ways for our students to practice that very simple language so that they, they start to own it. Um, so, for example, in the early elementary bundles, you know, they have a question and they have 10 answers. Um, and it might be like today we did with um, kindergarten, it was where do you sleep? And then they have 10 answers. They can say, you know, in the kitchen, um, in the basement, in the okay. car, and they think it's hilarious, right? Now, and so they're, yeah. they're learning all of these things. Yeah. But then, and that that's all we're focusing on. So we have right. the chant that Elizabeth has on YouTube. Um, and then we have a bingo game and we have the kids playing bingo in groups, right? It's not just the teachers saying it's that they're working with each other and one person is the caller and then they have two other kids playing. Um, they do partner practice together. We have little cards that go along with it. Yeah, and that, um, that's, what, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I like about your, your materials. And I think there's such wonderful interaction in your materials, right? You know, where there's a lot of, group, you know, small group dynamic stuff going on, pair, pair work, right? Uh, and a lot of that good stuff, you know, which today, you know, when we're, you know, totally um, sometimes uh, inundated by technology, right? That you still have things, hands-on things. I know your cards are neat, you know, your conversation card and that yeah, type things. And I would encourage everybody listening to visit Teacher Pay Teachers and uh, and look up the materials that real language right away, right? That's what it That's is. Right. Case yeah, I for, case I forget yeah. as we're going along, but there's some excellent excellent material, and it's just beautifully written and uh, very pedagogical, 
and easy to use, right? Very easy to use. And I know you guys have just finished also some really neat uh, uh, little short stories, right, that are available. And, yeah. and very, very usable, right, by the way, and uh, that you can use immediately in your classroom. So um, just, and that's why it's, uh, we're certainly honored to have these two guys on, on, on the show because of that, right? Because they're really, I call them, they're very creative and creative genius types, you know, that, uh, that sometimes are rare, you know, that, but they have time to do these things, right? They'll take time to, you know, uh, create materials for everybody. And that's, that's quite a nice thing to do, you know, to share their things uh, with everybody. So that's very nice. Um, now, um, when did you guys start writing materials? That's been a while, right? Now. We, we started in 2009. Okay. So the summer of 2009, we met, we met in a classroom every day. And we just, we had this, you know, we had been working on, we had sort of a draft of what we were doing. And then we decided, like, at first we thought we were going to just make kind of supplementary materials. Um, that would get kids talking. And then we said, no, no, this is the, this is really what we want the program, mm -hmm. our program to center on. So let's create a curriculum that, you know, puts interpersonal, um, the interpersonal at, at, you know, at the, at the core. And especially as we're teaching young learners, we really want to maximize that talk time and that interaction because they're not going to sit and read a long book or they're not going to, you know, be able to delve into grammar study or anything like that. They, what they can do at their age is talk, um, what they can do well. So um, we wanted to just, yeah, focus on that. And we ended up creating a, a program that, that has that as the, the main goal. Okay. Denise, what about studying a world language? What advice would you give to teachers about, uh, you know, reasons to, to tell the students about why study a foreign language? Uh, world language why, why um, yeah. well I think I think it gives you sort of a glimpse into a culture that you would not get if you didn't speak the language um, and it, you know it just opens up some doors I think it's true when you know in middle school when we're talking about things in France and you know a, a word that exists only in France and why is that and what does it mean and you know, it, it just makes you think about your own language in a different way. And I also think that it opens up possibilities um, for communication with other cultures. So, for example, in seventh grade, we do have an exchange program with um, a school in Toulouse, France. And we this year we have 19 seventh group students who have been corresponding with um, the kids in France. And they, they'll be going over there and staying with the families in June, attending the French school. And then those kids will come back in October. So it's a true exchange, and it's really, really exciting. I bet it um, is. Wow. Yeah, it's very exciting. So, um, now, you know, it, it does it up all of those possibilities. Now, Elizabeth, are you part of that too? Same program, right? Well, um, yeah, I I have, I kind of got it started, and then I made Denise keep going <laughs> because I have young kids at home, um, so it's hard for me to leave um, for nine days in the summer. Um, so... Um, I, I do help, I will be helping more with um, organizing what the French kids do when they're here um, this this coming fall. Um, but I'm a big supporter of this program. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. And I see, you know, I, I get to benefit from it because I think when students, it, it's really strengthened our program, our, you know, our, our teaching of French here at the school because, um, Kids, it's become an expectation. We've been do doing it since 2013 now. And so families kind of know that this is coming and students that are younger are look forward to it. And um, not everybody participates, but um, they those who do are really motivated to learn yeah. more than that seventh grade year to prepare to be in France. And then, um, you know, they learn a great deal just spending seven days immersed in the language and culture and um, and then when they come back, they they just have a higher you know proficiency level. And it, so yeah, um, it's, I, so I benefit from it because I teach I teach eighth grade, and so when they come back and you know from their yes. trip to France, they well, what a nice thing, right? Have a whole different perspective yeah. on the language yeah. at that point. But what a nice aspect for the program, right? To have that overseas yeah. connection yeah. and 
Well, it really brings a lot, right, to the program. So uh, people listening, it's a good thing to do if you can do it. Um, and that really helps uh, the kids. And it helps them get better, right, with their fluency mm-hmm. by being in the country a little bit. Yes, no doubt about it. Now, so um, let's talk about teaching for a minute. So uh, my observation would be from what you guys have said so far you are very lucky. You have great backing by administrators, right? And they're very cooperative, and they want the real, the, your program to be a big success, right? So that is okay. that speaks highly of your school because you mm-hmm. must have an incredible group of administrators who are backing you and supportive of, of world language edu- education, you know, that they, mm-hmm. they would see all the great benefits of it. Now... So when you teach, now you must have some challenges, right? What's the biggest challenge, Denise, you have teaching? I mean, think of all the things oh. you have challenges. What's the thing that really is the toughest thing you deal with daily, right? That I deal with personally? Yes. Teaching. <laughs> we have a lot of classes. <laughs> a, lot, so a lot of what? A lot of classes, a okay. lot of levels that okay. we teach. And so, you know, it's... Switching gears, getting ready for first grade, getting ready for kindergarten, then third grade. So you grade, you actually grade, you have grade. you have first grade and up, right? Kindergarten, kindergarten, yeah. Kindergarten, you kindergarten. have them all, all the way through eighth grade. Oh my goodness! That's right. Oh yes. wow, that's amazing. So sometimes you're putting the bingo cards out on the floor, and then they leave, and you're getting things. And ready. how many do you have in the class? How many kids um, are in we the have? Class? We have between, usually around 15 to 18. So we have and, smaller classes. But how many classes do you have then in the day? Um, on our heaviest day, we have eight. Wow, you could. Have, so in a given day, you could have 140 students, right? Total. That's right. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a lot. So you're changing gears a lot, and, and it's... Well, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot with kids of that age, right? Who have mm-hmm. unbelievable energy, right? <laughs> but I have to tell you a story. I've heard, I've lately heard some of my friends and their grandkids, and we and, and we talk about their language programs that their grandkids are in, and I hear these horror stories sometimes, unfortunately, right? And they, they'll say, well, you know, the the Spanish teacher or whatever is teaching the class, but the kids never speak the language, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that sad? You know, yeah. when they're young, they could be speaking the language, and they don't speak the language. And the teacher just gets up there and kind of blabs on, right? And they don't speak the language. And I, I guess they get materials off teacher-paid teachers, and they kids fill out their things, but they never speak. You know, so isn't that... But it's going on, right, around the country. It goes on, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, for whatever, I don't know whether the administrators are aware of what goes on with that or maybe they don't know I don't know but it does happen you know around the country some so uh, I think it's something you know I don't know how it can be fixed you know but it probably needs to look at a little bit right uh, mm-hmm. but you guys sound like you've got a powerhouse program right I mean that's an yeah. ideal situation yeah. yeah and we always say like a great class is a really loud class right we, yes. <laughs> we want yeah. although at the end of the day sometimes <laughs> That's. Everybody's going to take a nap. I remember. Yeah. Everybody's talking all at once. I remember. And, yeah. I remember in high school and, and in college when I went and teaching at Butler and and sometimes in high school, I'd have teachers come over and they'd say, "Could you please be quiet? <laughs> Look, calm down." <laughs> no, but it was. But the best thing, yeah, the whole class is talking, right? They're talking the language. You're going, "Oh man!" I mean, that's this is like gold, right? I mean, when you're teaching, right? This is the the what it's about, you know. They're speaking the language, right, and using language, and you know, we, I, I, I get sad to think sometimes we we don't spend enough time uh, going over those that type of strategies more, you know, and not mm-hmm. be so mired down in everything else, right? That, you know, and we want them to, to speak, right? No matter what happens, and uh, and and sometimes they're readers, and you probably have seen this too, but. And I sometimes go around some of the high schools and I'll observe classes. And, and uh, some of the teachers, uh, you know, are beautiful and they're very skilled and they can, you know, get the kids talking about the story. And some of them aren't, you know. And some of them get up there and they just kind of ramble on, you know. And the students just sit there. 
They don't answer questions. They don't answer questions. Doesn't question. sound fun to me. <laughs> no, but it goes so. on with the readers. You know, some of them. So, you know, and uh, so that's the the issue I have sometimes with readers. You, you know, we need a, a lot of training. I think for that. You know, for teachers to be effective. You know, just with the readers. You know, the, what they do sometimes. But the the readers very, of course, very valuable. You know, but again, you know. There needs to be a little more strategy involvement with it. I like you guys, your stories are, you know, short, dynamic, right? And easy to follow, you know, and well put together. And so they're easy, you know, and they, I mean, not easy, but they're, they're challenging, but they're, they're perfect, right? You got people talking it, you know, all the time and moving around and doing stuff. So, you know, that's a whole different matter. Now, Elizabeth, so what your biggest challenge is the same thing, size of the, cl- the classes maybe? Or well, the- I think just keeping up with all the all the different preps and levels and kind of um, switching gears so much. Um, yeah, it's, it's a physically tiring job. But I think that, you know, you talked about the teacher, you know, droning right, on and on. Right. Um, and in a lot of ways... You know, our classes, there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of talking, right. um, and that's all good. But it's not, we really strive to make it not teacher-centered. So, you know, well, that was, yes, centered if you're, it, you know, It's very, your, your material as well, both materials too, but your materials are very student-centered, right? And I think your teaching yeah. is totally student-centered. And that's what we need, right? We need to be doing more of that, Right where it's student-centered and not teacher-centered learning, right? And uh, just, it's so important, right? It really is. And, uh, yeah. and, and I think one of the things, you know, it, it's one thing to say, well, you want the students to be able to speak, but, and, and you know, that was our goal when we sat right, down to right. nine. But we decided we need, you know, they don't have the tools they need. To Correct, yes, yes. And so it's our job to give them the tools they need and then provide them with different ways for them to use those tools yes. and practice yes. using those tools. And that's where the, the, the partner conversation, that's sort of what it came out of, right. was this idea, we're going to give you the language that you need to have a, a regular conversation in French, and then you know, you're going to be able to move from from beyond that conversation, um, but you know you, you have to you have to give them the structure. You have to give them the tools, and and you have to have right a huge variety of activities. Correct, you know you have mm-hmm. to you can't just do one thing all the time, right? You know right. it's got to be changing, flexible, constantly moving. Right, the the, the strategies. Yeah. Um, so, what's the best thing about your school? What do you think, Denise, uh, Elizabeth? What's your best um, thing? The, the best thing about the school is that, um, well, we have great students and we have great colleagues. Um, I think, you know, Elizabeth mentioned it earlier, but we have a lot of freedom to create. Um, and I think that's that's very important to me, to be able to, to have um, the ability to plan what I want for my students uh, and to have the freedom to do that. You know, we can do music, we can do little units on history, we, we have complete control over our curriculum. And it, another beautiful thing about our school is that Elizabeth and I work really well together and we support one another. And I think when you have people working together on things, yes. they just become better. Right? They yes. always become better. And yes. so many teachers are, are isolated, right? Yes. They're in their own little classroom and they don't get that feedback. They don't get to talk about what they're doing and get, get some other opinions. And yes, so that's I, th- right. I think that's also a, a, something that's really wonderful. Though. That is wonderful. That. Elizabeth, what would you say about it? your best thing? Yeah, I think, I think it really, you know, um, one thing that's particular about our school is we're, we're teaching at a gifted school. Um, so the, the learners that we have are, um, motivated and very bright. Um, and then there's, it's a small school. And so there's just this level of, you know, they're very comfortable with each other and they're very comfortable with their teachers. So like we said before, we teach from K to eight. And so these same students have been coming in our classrooms for 10 years and we, we end up getting to know them pretty well. And um, I think it, it kind of is an ideal situation for learning a language because of that comfort level. They don't have the same, 
you know, they're not inhibited the way that I might have been as an eighth grader starting a language. They're starting young, so they they naturally don't have, you know, they don't aren't aren't as self conscious as a adolescent starting. Um, but then they um, they just kind of there's almost like this family atmosphere to the the class dynamic that. Um, where they're, they're not afraid to take risks and put themselves out there. They're not afraid to make a mistake. And, you know, I think that's a very um, essential element to language well, learning. And, and, yeah. Try things out. And they probably learn that from you you and Denise, right? You're both very risk-taking, right? You risk-take. and mm-hmm. uh, Which, you know, it's incredibly important, right? Teaching. Mm-hmm. It, probably the most important thing about teaching is risk-taking, Right. Where you try new things, you you constantly have to be. And and Denise mentioned this: the creativity factor. You have to be thinking about creativity and and the 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 learning environment and and how to change right and, and do those things. And it's very very important uh, to do that. Um, so um, I really like the idea about Denise. What you said about you had freedom to. Uh, create that you can do that right at your school so they actually give you freedom to do these things right Uh, you know if you want to try something new you get to do that and you're very blessed because that isn't always the way it is right in many districts especially the big districts sometimes you know where it becomes more of a structured curriculum and everybody has to do the same thing and follow the same thing all the time and uh so that's nice, and I, I think that's important for teachers looking for a job that you find a school where you can do that, right? Try to find a school where they're, they'll let you be creative and do new things and, and not have to do the same thing over and over, right, and get into some monotonous uh, situation. Now, uh, I'm going to go to um, number, this uh, topic of technology, right? And we sometimes we talk about technology. Everybody talks about technology. So the other day, I got this. Um, what is it called? The uh, artificial intelligence uh, bot chat, right? That Apple has. They have one, right? So I got this bot chat. Have you guys seen it yet? Have you done it? No. Experimental with it. Oh my goodness! You can tell it whatever you want to tell it, and it takes. I'd say, write me a short story about uh, this Mexican boy who lives in Mexico City and he has problems with his family, getting along, et cetera. And it took it 30 seconds. And I said two pages and it wrote a two-page story. I mean, how do you explain that, right? I mean, can you imagine how it does that? You could tell in English, right? Write me a short story about a basketball player who has has trouble uh, with his vision, is not any good, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so it writes it. It spits it out, right? And uh, it will take something in the present tense and put it in the past. So I do the same story. I say, now put this in to more advanced Spanish. Put it in the, with a preterite and imperfect at a different level, and it does it. It takes 30 seconds. I mean, it blows your mind. I mean, it's it's incredible. Now... Where is that going to take everything, correct? <laughs> so what are the students going to do? How are they going to handle this, right? And how are the teachers going to be able to judge what's real, you know, created by the students without, the, you know, the machine or the, the computer and the stuff? So it's really going to, it's going to make some, some situational uh, things. I mean, it's going to be difficult probably for a while. But then Apple, I think, has ceased development at the moment until they get this figured out they're worried about the students how they're gonna you know Mm. react and you know they don't want them just to to copy something and and whatever but I was thinking too I thought well boy anybody could write I mean you could just get in front of something you could say write me an an essay about or write me a short story about uh, uh, the Eiffel Tower and something funny that happens in the Eiffel Tower and it would put something out now, that's kind of scary because somebody who isn't even a French teacher <laughs> could probably do something. I mean, you got to think about this. I mean, it, it has, it, you know, it's, it, it, it has no end to it. I mean, it, it becomes, and I'd say, write me a, a, a little worksheet of uh, present tense AR and ER and IR verbs in Spanish, 25 sentences. 
spits it out in five seconds, ten seconds. So the, that's what the things are available in this, you know. I mean, how it's going to change everything. It's it's going to be really, really difficult, I think, for teachers to figure, get through this, you know, and everything, and to figure out, you know, uh, you know what to, what to do with it. Now, so let's talk about technology. How long do you use technology every day, Elizabeth? Do you have you? Well, um, I use it a lot in my own preparation for my classes and to um, prepare things to, to, you know, show the kids visually at the front of the room. Mm. Um, so I use a lot of technology just to use my, you know, plan my classes. Um, but I mean, what what tools do you use though? Um, to what programs? Yeah, PowerPoint, or, okay. Google Slides. Um, that's probably the main things that Those I use. Two, yeah. And then, you know, I and then in my creating, I yeah, I use um, you know, GarageBand and iMovie to create the videos I put on YouTube and that I use with my students. Okay. Um, anything else that I use, Denise? I don't know. Denise, how about you? What about? Um, you? I would be the same. I would the same. We use Google Slides, and you know, talking about what the students are able to do. And I know this isn't possible, you know, everywhere, but we um, we really don't have, we have a one-to-one -one program here. So every student has a computer in middle school, fifth through eighth grade, right. and we'd never use them. And I mean, once in a great while, we will have them listen to an ed puzzle or something like that. But we just don't have any, we don't use a computer in the class with the students. That's awesome. So I think that's we great. We always say yeah. we're old school, you know, it's, it's, it's pencil and paper and... For evaluations, it's prepare at home, but then the work that is graded, the work that we evaluate is done in class, pencil and paper. And that's wonderful. And just, yeah. You know, because there's Google Translate, it, it, it's just too tempting for them. Right, it um, is. It, it, it is. And then the other th the other factor, when you have live, you know, you know performance-based learning, really, you know, it's done there in the classroom uh, and evaluated, that, uh, that brings into play this idea of... Uh, um, humanization, right? Where we're human beings and the kids are able to interact with real live people, which they have to learn about, right? I mean, that's part of our life, right? And uh, and uh, I I did in college, I did a lot of, when I was te teaching, I did a lot of uh, 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 teamwork type things, teams. And so I'd have teams, you know, I'd have four or five teams in a class. You know, we'd have four people on a team, 20 in the class, five teams. And we'd have competition every time, every day. We'd do something. And, you know, after a while, the kids really appreciated it. And they'd go, yeah. But they had to help each other, right? They were always doing little projects and, you know, interacting and helping each other. And that's another thing, too. Like, you know, the, the, the humanization of education is really needed, right? And so... Uh, I mean, I think there's some things that are good with technology. You know, there are some good things. But I think we have to be very careful teaching where we still have the interaction of the kids and they can interact with their fellow students and the teachers and that humanity rules, right? Where we're not controlled by a screen all the time, right? Uh, and that, uh, uh, I used to ask my students how long they, these are college students, how long are you on the computer all day? or screens, you know, your iPad, your phone, all this. Eight hours a day, a lot of them. Eight hours a day. Oh, yeah, eight hours a day. And, of course, my first thought is another 20 years, they're going to be all hunched over like this because, you know, you're always looking down at the machine, the screen, right? It's not very physically good for your body, right? It is not, you know, you're always looking down. And then you, you think, boy. And, you know, they told me, though, they said they got tired of being on the screen all day but I guess they get some of the classes it was heavy you know you got to be on the screen doing this doing that and after a while they got you you know they get burnout right it's a kind of a burnout thing Elizabeth what do you think anything else about that oh I'm with you Tom I yeah I think it's really important um to not only, like, you know, I think in learning a language, you have to interact with people, right? Yes, That's, yeah. I, I, you know, sometimes people ask me advice about how do you learn a language on your own or, you know, what, what computer program right. will help me. And not that computer programs can't help, they, they do, but I really think it's essential that there's, there's actual 
you know, interactions yes. between humans. Yes. Um, that's, that's the way language works, right? Totally. Yes. Um, so our goal for any class is to get the students to interact with us and each other in the target language. That's right. just the, the baseline of any, of any class. And, um, I don't know that to me, the screens just get in the way of that. They're distracting and, um, they don't lend themselves to, to that kind of interaction. Um, I'm happy if my students want to go home and, you know, watch French videos at home or if they want to do Duolingo or, you know, if they want to spend some time on their screens doing French related things, I don't think that's a bad use of their time. But um, the time I have with them in class, I just want them to Correct. Um, yes. interact with each other and me. Yes. So. Very well said. Um, uh, Denise, uh, what do you think about uh, the target language? Do you use the target language the entire class or do you kind of mix it up? Um, I do, in middle school, I do. So I teach fifth grade and seventh grade in middle school. And um, I only speak the, the I only speak French, and I require the students to only speak French. So I have a little list, and if they speak English, their name goes on the list. There's a whole <laughs> system with tickets; they can buy them off the list. And, you know, very but, good. But yeah, I'm convinced that that's really what they want. They want to use the target yes. language to communicate, and you can see the joy on their face yes. when they ask me a question in French. And I understand that I can answer. And so I think it's important to provide that opportunity. Now, in lower school, um, it's, it's more of a mix. Um, but definitely in middle school, we, we only speak oh, French. And good. we also have a, a trip to Quebec. So all of our eighth graders are going to Quebec, and we have five French-speaking chaperones, and we do the whole trip. Now, is there, is there a feeder school, a high school that the kids go to, the same one, or they go to a variety of high schools? Or, or is there That's a certain one? Okay. Yeah. There's a big one. Okay. Elizabeth, what about you then? About the same, pretty much, with the language? Yeah, Denise and I tend to just have the same approach to things. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, there has been a change over the last few years. I, I do use more English than I used to. I used to be really, really um, strict with myself about mm -hmm. not using any English. Um, like, sometimes I would write something in English on the board, but I wouldn't utter it, you know, out loud and the lower school students honestly believed that I could not speak English and that's kind of how I interacted with them. COVID sort of changed that for me because uh, there was a period of time when we were teaching in person with masks on at a six foot distance and it was it was impossible to Wasn't that, understand what I yeah. said. Um, so and we were shouting, you know, we were far away from people. We had bullhorns. It was a whole thing. So, um, so I think that sort of, I, I kind of recognized during that time how valuable it was to, to make good connections with my students in English. Um, and so I've been less strict with myself about it. And I, sometimes I have to remind myself to, you know, get back on the target language train. <laughs> um, but Especially with the younger students, you know, it, having a little bit of English provides me well, um, with a chance to you know, yeah. interact with them. I'm like, oh, what? You know, yeah. Oh, you wrote on your paper that yeah. you like to read in French, but like, what books right. are you reading? Or you well, know, and I get to know them a little bit. Yeah, you get or, to know. Yeah, and you also yeah. it, it also saves time, instruction wise, because yes. if you For try example. to explain it on French or whatever language, sometimes it depends on the ability of a class, right? You get you get a slower class, and you try to do that, and you can't do it. You know, you can't do it all in the target language, or you have to figure out where you're going to go with it because, or it takes you 20 minutes to explain it to them. You know, 15 or 20 minutes if it's a little complicated thing. You know, you're better off to just you know tell them in English and just move on, right? You know, and do it, and the, you then do it in the language, but you save a lot of time. You know, sometimes by dropping in an English thing here or there. Now, um, I have one more thing, Tom, could mm -hmm. I say one more thing about yes. that? I think the other thing that I find really beneficial to talk to, especially young students with in English, is just to talk about the language learning process and how do we do this and what do we need to do to learn the language. Beautiful. We talk a lot yes. about practice Beautiful. and how hey. it's similar to, it's a skill that's similar to hey. learning yeah. an instrument or a sport where they just have to practice yeah. and practice to make progress. 
And um, I feel like those conversations are very fruitful because they have, they're yes. more yes. Um, purposeful in the way they approach yeah. their learning. Yes, well said, beautiful. Now, uh, Denise, what do you think teacher creativity is? So what, how would you explain that real fast? Um, teacher creativity. Well, I think it's I think it's being able to sort of modify what you're doing depending on your students. So if you have a group of students that really likes music, then you can go out and find some music, find some activities that that you know that group is really going to enjoy. Because I do think that. And, and this is something that Elizabeth and I have been talking about um, the cheer, the joy in the classroom is really important. You want the students to to have fun, and it doesn't mean entertainment. It, it means you want them to provide, provide them with activities that, where they're going to make progress and feel like they've accomplished something and they're going to enjoy it. And so I think, you know, we can be creative in the sense that we sort of discover what our students enjoy, and then we... we modify maybe our activities to um to to be a little bit more uh in, in that direction i think i think that's really important i love to, yeah, to the idea happiness into ha- the into happiness the and have fun right have fun yeah. uh elizabeth right. are you the same totally on that possible. are you the same on that pretty much yeah you, i've been thinking pretty much... a lot about what um what brings the students joy and i honestly think that interacting you know that human interaction piece that we already talked about is a big, is a big um, uh, producer of joy. Um, I also, you know, think music and um, you know movement, games, even getting outside sometimes. You know, there there are some things that you can just sort of add into your plans that um, that spark joy, and that um, I think when students are enjoying the process of learning. Um, it just goes so much further. Yes. Uh, Denise, how do you think we can get the parents in the community more involved in world language uh, learning? How, how could we, what can we do with the community and the parents? Hmm. Well, I think that, you know, for example, having the trips where the kids have these positive interactions um, is really important. So, you know, our eighth graders are going to Quebec, they're going to, um, they're going to visit a, a school, um, they're going to have these interactions in the shops, they're going to speak French, they're going to come back and talk about that, and I think, I think that that's very important. Our, our parent population is, is pretty positive, they're pretty um, supportive of what we do. A lot of our children um, do speak another language at home. So, I think that in our situation, our parents really kind of are already on board for learning another language. And most of our kids will go on and continue studying French in high school. Right. Okay. Elizabeth, any ideas on that one? Anything else? Yeah, I think what Denise said was good. Um, yeah, I think, I think anytime you can provide um, ways for people to encounter other languages and cultures, um, it just, it just opens them up to it more. Um, so like our school does like a heritage fest where they celebrate, um, you know, some of the students, different cultural connections. And um, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of blessed in, in the situation that we have. So it doesn't feel like we have to do a lot of advocacy or fighting or, you know, anything like that um, to, I think there's sort of an international um, perspective already builds into the culture of the school, which helps a lot. Okay. Now, um, what about end of the year celebrations with parents and administrators? Uh, I mentioned that to sometimes to some teacher friends that uh, we used to do some of that in high school and it was always very successful. We would have a you know, end of the year celebration and uh, awards night or whatever and ask the parents to come and, uh, you know, we, there would be prizes for the different abilities of the students and it was kind of like an Oscar night for world languages, right, type thing. Do you ever do anything like that? No. We never have, no. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of fun, crazy fun. stuff, yeah. crazy stuff. And... uh uh, it's in that 
the, the book I mentioned to you, right, today. Mm-hmm. It's coming out in April, but there's a lot about that. You know, the those type of things. But it's a, kind of an interesting thing. Um, the um, Let's talk a minute about uh, it, people entering the profession. What advice would you give the new teachers, Denise, coming into the profession? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, I would say, you know, be patient, right? And I think, once again, we're very lucky because we see the progress, right? We see them when they're in kindergarten and we see them all the way through to eighth grade. So we know that, you know, progress happens differently um, for different kids. And so I think, you know, if you're coming in and you're teaching one level in high school, sometimes it can be pretty difficult because you feel like that progress um, isn't happening, but you have to remember that, you know, it could, it could click a little bit later or, you know, that's, it's important. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you're in that day to day, you sort of forget and we get, we have students come back all the time and say, you know, um, look, we had, we had a student the other day, her mother called and said, she's living in France. She's got a job. She's in tech in Paris and, you know, she's applied to be a French citizen. Or we have students who come back and say, I'm working for a French bank and I, I speak French every day. So, um, you know, we don't we don't hear about that. And it's not always the star students. No. And so we have to no, remember. No, you, you never that, know, right? We have to remember yeah. that, you know, we are having an effect and it's very, very important. Yes. Pro, yeah, profound, profound effect. Yes, that's a great point. Elizabeth, what do you think for the new teachers? What would you say? Are the more important things they should be doing? I'd say um, make sure you're not, or or do what you can to connect with other teachers um, so that you're not isolated. So that might be um, going to some conferences. It might be just having a certain kind of rapport with the people in your department. Um, But I, you know, I think... I, I was very lucky in coming into this position, um, which I, I started, I started this job when I was 23. Um, and it's been basically my only real job <laughs> as an adult. And I was lucky just to have this, um, really great mentor, Denise, um, right off the bat. And, um, so yeah, seeking out that kind of, um, mentorship and, um, those kinds of conversations, because I, I feel like that's, that's where we learn to be good teachers is through our, is through that interaction. Yeah, from learn from other teachers, other people. Yes, well said. Certainly important. Um, what about positivity today in the classroom and in the profession, especially? Uh, do you think we're positive enough, Denise? Are most teachers really positive? Uh, do you feel like <laughs> when you go to conferences and? And depends on the day, right? It depends yeah, on the day. Yes. Yeah. Myself included. But Elizabeth <laughs> and I do talk about that. Yeah. We do try to, you know, we do realize that, yeah, sometimes it's hard and sometimes it can be, you know, you're not feeling very sure about it, but um, it's important to, to, to be positive and realize how lucky we are to be able to work with these, these young people every day. Um, and I think that, you know, She's right. Having a connection to other adults who are going to be positive is important. Well, yeah. And the other problem probably in our society today, too, is we have the news, the media, the news, who, especially the television, you know, we get reports every second, all day, 24 hours a day with cable news, and people are bombarded by all these things, you know. And a lot of it isn't positive, right? I mean, fortunately, but that we need more positivity there too, right? In the the reporting of news sometimes, and I think that kind of affects people's attitudes sometimes. Um, Elizabeth, what about uh, uh, positivity? Do you th- is you think there's a formula for being positive? Is there a way to do it? There a formula? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean. I think surrounding yourself, like Denise said, with people who um, will be encouraging is really important. Um, as a teacher, I think it's really important to celebrate um, even really small successes of your students where um, like just create, 
finding ways to create a positive atmosphere in your classroom where, um, you know, where people are being kind to one another and where, um, where the, the students feel seen and heard and supported and celebrated. I think it's really important. Um, and I think that goes a long way for their learning too, when they, when they have that kind of interaction with their teacher. Yes. Well, well said. Um, now, um, I want to say I appreciate both of you for being on the show. You've been astounding guests, as always. And uh, thank you for participating. It's an honor to have both of you in the show. And I think your school district is very blessed to have both of you teaching there. And uh, because of all the beautiful creativity you bring to the classroom and all the positivity, etc., and the profound knowledge of language learning. So... Um, congratulations on all you've done and all the books that you've written and all the beautiful things you continue to do. And uh, it's been a pleasure, again, to have you on the show, okay? And right. uh, yeah. uh, and uh, I want to say, uh, uh, I don't, this may be the third time I think you've been on the show, but it's every time it's just fascinating. So uh, thank you so much. Um, now... Um, I'm going to end the show uh, for the listeners. And don't forget, listeners, uh, we will be back uh, in, a- in Abril, in April. And I-, I imagine we perhaps will be with a Spanish teacher by then, uh, maybe a German teacher, who knows. So uh, thank you so much, everybody, listeners, oyentes, for being here. And uh, we will be in touch in Abril. And uh, just keep being positive out there. Everybody be positive and, uh, and just keep that positivity going 24 hours a day and you can't go wrong, okay? So we will catch up. Thank you all again for listening. Everybody have a great week and be sure that you participate in the March Madness of the basketball, okay? All right. Gracias y un buen día para todos. You guys want to say something in French? Okay. I'll go in Francais para los oyentes. Okay. Bye, everybody. Nos vemos. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Gracias.